Lindsay, where are you? Thank you, brother. Wow, what a great time of worship. Amen. Yeah. Well, believe it or not, and you may not believe it, we're actually pressing towards the close of our study in the book of Philippians. You know that book that your Bible sort of automatically opens to now? We started together way back in January, working and walking our way through this incredible four-chapter letter of Paul to the Philippian church. Uh, we started way back, if you remember, talking about the foundations of really this series that we're calling Life Doesn't Have to Be Perfect to Be Wonderful. Those foundations that we talked about so long ago for living a wonderful life. I don't know if you remember them or not, but we talked about how important it is that we assume a posture before Christ of a servant. And then we talked about embracing our position in Christ as a saint. And then we talked about drawing from the provisions of Christ, which are grace and peace. From there, we, we talked about the importance of having a perspective to live from. We talked about the importance of having a priority to live by and a power to live on and a purpose to live for. We talked about how to get along with the difficult people in our lives. Remember that? We said, you know, you, you've, you've really got to be grateful for the good in people. You've got to start praying positively for people. You've got to be patient with people's progress. And you've got to start learning how to love people from the heart. Because if you don't love people from the heart, if people aren't on your heart, remember where they'll be? On your nerves, right? Yeah, we talked about that. If people aren't on your heart, they'll be on your nerves. That was, that was all in chapter 1. And then in chapter 2, we began to look at the life of Christ and his example. We talked about what it means to live a cruciform life ourselves, a, a cross-shaped life that is patterned after the life of Christ. We were challenged not to waste our lives, these precious moments that God gives us and we focused on what it means to pour out our lives for Christ, to look out for the interests of Christ, to be willing to risk everything for the sake of Christ. And then we talked about the sin of complaining. And I got to tell you that I don't think I've ever had as many comments about a message as I had on that one. And that's a good thing. In chapter 3, we took a deep look at what real worship is and what it is not. We asked the question, what in the world am I living for? Why did Christ place me here on this planet? And finally, we talked about what it means to imitate Christ in everything. Last week, we, we launched out into chapter 4 by looking at the importance of Practicing the presence of Christ, verses 1 through 5. What does it mean to practice the presence of Christ? And what difference does that make in your daily 
life. Now, verses 6 through 9, which are the next verses, are actually verses we looked at earlier in this series uh, as we sort of took a little diversion there and we, we talked about prayer and we talked about how to overcome worry and anxiety. So we've really already covered verses 6 through 9 here. I'm not skipping them. Uh, we're coming this morning to, to the final closing verses of, of this book, verses 10 through 20 of Philippians, the fourth chapter. And in these verses, really, Paul is going to wrap up and tie together everything else that he said in this book by telling us that there are really only two things in life that you need if you want to experience the reality that life can be wonderful even when it's not perfect. And life is not perfect, is it? There are no perfect circumstances. There are no perfect people. There are no perfect families or marriages. There is no perfect church. But if you have these two things that we're going to look at this morning, Paul says, if you have these two things, it doesn't matter. It doesn't matter what you don't have. If you do have these two things, really, you don't need anything Else. So I'm going to give you these two things first this morning, and, and then we're going to look at them. We'll look at the first one today. We'll look at the second one, Lord willing, next Sunday. So here, here, here's what I want us to see this morning. If, if I really want to experience the reality that life can be wonderful, even if it's not perfect, or as, as the message title this morning states, if I really want to be able to live above life's circumstances, here's what I need. Number one, I need contentment in life. I must learn the secret of having contentment in life. That's the first thing I must have. The second thing I must have, if I want to live above life circumstances, I must learn the secret of having confidence in God. Contentment in life, confidence in God. Now, I want to tell you this morning, if you have those two things, you don't need anything else. Because really, everything else is already included, if you think about it. If you learn how to live a contented life, and as you live that life, you live it with a rock-solid confidence in your God, then that's really everything you need. And you will experience the reality that life really is wonderful even though it's not perfect, even though we have to go through tough times, even though there are difficult circumstances. Life can be wonderful, and you can live it with joy and confidence and enthusiasm and victory. So let's look together this morning, starting out at the secret of having contentment in life. Verses 10 through 12 of Philippians, the fourth chapter. Let me read these verses for you. You follow along in your copy of God's Word as I read. Paul says, I rejoice greatly in the Lord 
that at last you have renewed your concern for me. Indeed, you were concerned, but you had no opportunity to show it. I'm not saying this because I'm in need, for I have learned to be content whatever the circumstances. I know what it is to be in need, and I know what it is to have plenty. I have learned the secret of being content in any and every situation, whether well-fed or hungry, whether living in plenty or in want. Paul says, I have learned the secret of being content. Now, folks, if there was ever a timely word, this is it. Because we live in a world that is striving, a world that is struggling, a world that is grasping for contentment. Everybody wants it, but nobody seems to know where to find it. So let's look at a couple of things here in these verses, and let's see if we can get a handle on how to be able to live a contented life, to live a life of contentment. First thing I want to share with you is this. Paul says it, God's Word says it very clearly. Contentment in life is something I have to learn. Did you know that? You have to learn how to be content. In verse 12, the last part, you can look at it there. Paul says, I have learned the secret of being content in any and every situation. In other words, church, we are not born content. From the time we take our first breath, we're screaming for something, right? We are not born content creatures. And so what we have got to do, you have got to do this morning, what I've got to do this morning If we're going to get a handle on this, we've got to put ourselves in the position of a learner. We've got to want to learn something. That's the first thing. So I hope you want to learn this this morning. So just just say with me this morning, God, I, I want you to teach me. I want to learn how to live a life of contentment. So it's something I have to learn. Second thing is this, we need to make sure we understand what we're talking about when we talk about contentment. Um, A dictionary definition would tell you some variation of the fact that, that contentment means being satisfied with what you have. And, and that's partly true. That's, that's not incorrect. But there is a better definition, there is a much broader definition, certainly a more biblical definition of contentment, and I want us to look and make sure we understand what that is. So let me give you a couple of helps here. Number one, contentment is being satisfied on the inside, regardless of what my circumstances are on the outside. Are you with me? Contentment means I am satisfied on the inside regardless of what my circumstances are on the outside. Now, I've got to tell you this morning, there are not a lot of people who live like that. I'm not even sure there are a lot of Christians 
who really live like that. We, we are so often consumed, our, our contentment is so often based upon our circumstances, what is going on out there. If the bills are paid, if the money's rolling in, if we have lots of friends, if, if the job's doing well, if our health is good, you know, if things are going the way we want them to, if, if our plans and our dreams and our preferences are, are being realized, then, well, we're satisfied. We're content. But church, far too often when those things are taken away, so is our contentment. So is our satisfaction. That's why so much of the world and so many Christians are caught up in this search for contentment. Because it is so often dependent upon our outer circumstances. Let me give you another definition here that might be helpful or another help for you. Contentment is not having all that I want. True contentment is wanting only what I have. Do you see the difference? Contentment is not having all that I want. In the biblical sense, true contentment is wanting, it's being satisfied with, it's being content with what I have. Regardless of my circumstances at a particular point in time. That's what Paul says here. He said, I've learned to be content Whatever the circumstances, I've learned to be content in any and every situation. When I'm in need or when I have plenty, whether I'm well fed or whether I'm hungry, whether things are going my way or whether things are not going my way. You see, Paul did not judge the situations in his life by how he felt about them. He believed that every situation in his life, good or bad, was part of God's plan for his life and was part of something greater that God wanted to do. It wasn't about making Paul feel good. It wasn't about meeting all of Paul's needs. It wasn't about him having everything that he wanted. Paul never looked at his circumstances and said, gosh, will this meet my needs? Will this meet my desires? Will this make me feel good? No. Paul always asks, how will this circumstance, how will this situation, whether it's good or bad, how is this going to help fulfill what God wants to do in my life? That's why Paul could say in verse 10, look at it again, I rejoice greatly in the Lord, even though he was in prison even though he was all alone, even though he was cold, even though he was without adequate food and clothing, even though he had enemies, he sat there in that prison cell, chained to a Roman soldier, without money, without his freedom, wondering if he would live or die. And he said, I rejoice in the Lord greatly. Got a question for you. When was the last time you said that 
in the bad times, in the tough times. You see, not only do most of us not rejoice in the Lord in the bad times, but everybody around us knows we're not rejoicing, right? It's all over our face. It, it, it's all in our words and our actions and, and our attitudes. But you see, church, the test of genuine commitment is not how you feel when everything's going great. Anybody can be content when things are going great. The test is what you do when the tough times roll around, when things don't go your way. When your dreams and your plans don't work out the way you think they ought to. Paul said, I want you to know I'm happy, I'm content, I'm satisfied because I have learned a secret. Do you see that there? In verse 12, the last part, Paul said, I have learned the secret. There is a secret you must learn if you want to live a life of contentment. Do you want to know what that secret is? Would you like to know what the secret is to living a life of contentment? Well, here it is. Here it is. Verse 13. I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. Now, some of you are disappointed right now. <laughs> if you're honest, what? Preacher, I thought you were going to tell me something revolutionary. I thought you were going to tell me something I'd never heard before. I've heard that verse a thousand times. Yeah? I bet you've quoted it a thousand times. But I also bet, in many cases, you've quoted it out of context. You see, we know this verse. I'm not so sure we've really understood it. When Paul wrote Philippians 4.13, I can do all things through Christ who gives me strength. He wrote it in the context of verses 10 through 12. His emphasis is not on you or me being able to do anything and everything. His emphasis is on you and me being able to live a content life. That's what he's talking about here. Paul says, and he says very clearly, I can live a life of contentment because Christ empowers me to do it. Now, now, let me just stop and say here, because I, I don't want you to misunderstand me this morning. I do believe that Christ will strengthen you and empower you to do anything that he calls you to do, that he asks you to do. But here, specifically, his emphasis is on living a satisfied, content life, and that is not something you can do. It is not something I can do. It is something Christ must do in you. It is something Christ must do in me. Paul said, I've learned the secret of being content whatever the circumstances in any and every situation. When I'm hungry, I'm content. When I have no money, I'm content. 
When my friends forsake me, I'm content. When my life is threatened, I'm content. Paul, how in the world can you live like that? His answer is, I can do it because he, Jesus Christ, empowers me to do it. I can be content in all things through Christ who gives me strength. So here is the secret to living a life of contentment. I want you to fill in these last two blanks here. These are critically important. This is it. The secret to living a life of contentment is to live a life of absolute preoccupation with the Lord Jesus Christ. The secret to living a life of contentment is to live a life of preoccupation with Christ. That's it. If you have not yet found contentment in life, you should not be looking for contentment. You should be looking for commitment. You should be looking for commitment. It is commitment to Christ that brings contentment in life. That's why so many people and so many Christians aren't content. It's because they're trying to be. You don't get contentment by trying to get it. Real contentment is a byproduct of a life that is absolutely preoccupied with the Lord Jesus Christ. And because so many of us so many times are preoccupied with anything and everything but Christ, real contentment in life continues to elude us. Paul says, I know contentment because I'm preoccupied with Christ, and when I make Jesus Christ the obsession of my life, then he empowers me to live a life of contentment. So just how preoccupied with Christ was the Apostle Paul? I've got some verses here. Let's take a quick review, quick tour of the book of Philippians and see. Ready? These are just a few verses. I could have picked out more, but I picked out these. Philippians 1.21, Paul says, For to me to live is Christ. Paul says my whole reason for existence is Jesus Christ. When I get up in the morning, Christ is on my mind. At lunchtime, my thoughts are on Christ. When I close out the day and when I go to sleep, Christ is the focus of my thinking. This is why I live. For to me, to live is Christ. Paul was preoccupied with Christ. Chapter 2, verse 5, he writes and he says, Have this mind in you that was also in Christ Jesus, do you you understand what Paul is saying here? He's saying, when I think, I think with the thoughts of Christ. When I feel, I feel with the heart of Christ. When I act, I act with the activity of Christ. In fact, 2 Corinthians chapter 10, verse 5, Paul actually said, I take captive every single thought so that I can make it obedient to Christ. My whole life, Paul said, is a reflection of Jesus Christ. 
He was preoccupied with Christ. Chapter 3, verse 1, finally, brothers, rejoice in the Lord. (laughs) But Paul, you're in prison. He would say, so? (laughs) But Paul, you don't have any money. Well, that doesn't matter. But Paul, your freedom has been taken away, and, and your friends have all turned their backs on you, and everything that could go wrong, Paul, has gone wrong. Paul would say, you know, that's really fine because I'm rejoicing in the Lord. Paul was preoccupied with Christ. Chapter 3, verse 7, whatever was to my profit, I now consider loss for the sake of Christ. Verse 10 of chapter 3, I want to know Christ and the power of his resurrection and the fellowship of sharing in his sufferings. Verse 13 of chapter 3, I I forget what is behind and I strain toward what is ahead and I press on toward the goal to win the prize for which God has called me heavenward in Christ Jesus. Church, do you see Paul's heart? Do you see it? Can you hear what makes him tick? Paul was consumed with Christ. He was preoccupied with Christ. That's why he was content. Are you consumed with Christ? If not, then you're not supposed to be content. The secret is be consumed with Christ. Be preoccupied with Christ and you'll find contentment. Now, i got to tell you, that's not going to sell downtown, folks. You're not going to leave here this morning, drive to downtown Greenville, and see a big old billboard that says, all you miserable people need to be preoccupied with Christ. That's not going to happen. That's why this is a secret. The world doesn't understand this. That's why it's hard even for Christians to adjust their lives to become preoccupied with Christ because even we don't understand this like we ought to. The contented life, church, is a byproduct of a life that is preoccupied with Christ, that is consumed with the things of Christ because when you put Him above everything else, He strengthens you. He empowers you. He enables you to live a life of contentment. I can do all things through this Christ who is the obsession and the preoccupation of my life. I can be content in any and every situation, in every circumstance. I can rejoice in the Lord. Why? Because for to me, to live is Christ. Are you preoccupied with him this morning? Are you obsessed with Christ? Are you putting him above anything and everything else? Until you do that, my friend, you will never, ever 
be able to live above your circumstances. You will never, ever be able to live a life of contentment. Because it's not contentment that you need this morning. It's commitment. It's absolutely selling out, lock, stock, and barrel to the Lord Jesus Christ. And some of you this morning just need to simply come to Him and say, Lord Jesus, today I give you everything. Contentment in life. Confidence in God. That's what you need if you're going to experience the reality that life can be wonderful even when it's not perfect. I want you to bow your heads with me this morning. Heavenly Father, we come to the conclusion of this time. We look at the life of the Apostle Paul and we marvel, we wonder how over and over and over again in this book, knowing what Paul's circumstances were, that he could say, Rejoice in the Lord always. And again, I say rejoice. That he could say, I rejoice greatly in the Lord. But he knew what it was like to rejoice in times of plenty. He knew what it was like to rejoice in times of need. He knew what it was like to rejoice when he was well fed. He knew what it was like to rejoice when he was hungry. He was satisfied because he didn't look at circumstances and ask the question, God, how is this going to meet my needs? He was asking, Lord, how do you want to use this to carry out your purposes in me and through me? God, we need this morning to live at that level. This is not a deeper life. This is not a higher life. This is just normal, biblical Christianity. It's living every day satisfied with what we have. It's being satisfied on the inside, regardless of what our circumstances are on the outside. And Lord, until we can get to that place, we're going we're to be consumed by circumstances. We're going to be distracted. We're going to be diverted. We're never going to be able to be the kind of kingdom people you've called us to be, making a difference here in our church, in our community, in our nation, and among the nations. So this morning, Lord, I pray for myself, and I pray for every brother and sister underneath the sound of my voice this morning that we would hear your heart cry and your call to genuine commitment to Christ, to be obsessed, preoccupied with the Lord Jesus Christ. And if we're not this morning, Father, would you put our feet back on that pathway that we might experience the reality of real, genuine contentment in life so that you can take us and use us for your glory. That's our prayer. We ask it in Jesus' name. I'm going to ask you to join me in standing this morning. We have a time of reflection, a time of commitment, a time of allowing God's Spirit to 
speak to you. How do you need to respond this morning? Maybe you need to come just at the very point of this message. God, I'm not content. I'm always looking for something more. Never satisfied. But I want to be. Fix my eyes on Jesus. Give me that preoccupation with Christ. Maybe this morning you don't know Christ at all. And if you don't know Him, then you'll never know contentment. It's only found in Him. And if you don't know in your heart of hearts that you've come to Him personally in a life-changing way, ask Him to forgive your sins. Enthroned Him on the, the, the throne of your life and given Him control and turned your life over to Him and you're living for Him, then maybe you need to come this morning and say, Pastor, I need Christ. I need His forgiveness. I, I want to become a Christ follower. Or maybe you're here this morning and you need a church home and a church family. Or maybe there's something else on your heart. These, these altars are open this morning. I'm here. Others will be here to pray with you if we can encourage you. As we sing together right now, as God leads, if He speaks to your heart, would you come?